Welcome to The Jury Is Out, a podcast for trial attorneys who want to sharpen their skills and better serve their clients. Your co-hosts are John Simon, founder of the Simon Law Firm, and St. Louis attorney Eric Veith. We're back with another episode of The Jury Is Out. I'm Eric Veith. This is John Simon. We have guests today. First of all, I'll introduce the guests. Hello to Peter Stragan and Lisa Kaiser-Thorpe. Hi, guys. Hi. Thanks for having me. Today's topic is basically when you've had enough of practicing law and it's time to move on to something new, perhaps a new non-law career. And that's something that our two guests have in common. As we all know, a general purpose degree, it attracts people from many backgrounds. In fact, I know people who had art degrees and many other things. Lisa, you're going to probably chime in. I know you will because we had a talk before this podcast that you had majors in philosophy, which I also had, and French. So it's not surprising with lawyers having these general purpose degrees, picking up another general purpose degree law, that lawyers develop a lot of other interests and sometimes move on to other careers. So we have two lawyers with us, Peter and Lisa, who have moved on to new careers. We're here to talk about that because it's an interesting experience. And the thing that keeps coming to my mind is that it's a massive investment to get a law degree. It's three years. It's even more of an investment to practice law for a number of years. And so leaving it must be sometimes very difficult or at least very thought provoking. So Lisa, if we could start with you, would you like to share your experience about why it was you went to law school and what kind of law you practiced? I was a French and philosophy double major and not knowing precisely what to do with that, I went to the Peace Corps. I hid out for three years in Africa and I did not come up with a better plan than going to law school. And as you know, Eric, a fair amount of philosophy majors do end up going to law school, both because there's not a lot of ready jobs for philosophy majors and because kind of the thinking involved in philosophy also lends itself to the thinking involved in law. So I went to law school thinking, you know, as one often does, one can do so many things with a law degree. And then I got out and with the law loans, I said, you know, I'm going to go practice law with a big firm, but just for a while, just to pay off the loans. And before I knew it, it was 18 years later. So I spent 18 years at Thompson Coburn, a fantastic, lovely, large law firm based here in St. Louis, but with offices around the country. And I had a great time and I worked with great people, but at some point, I thought it was time for a second act, and if I didn't get moving, there would not be time for a second act. So I went back to school, I got a library science degree, and I am now moving in on five years working at St. Louis Public Library Central in our beautiful downtown building. And the great thing is, from my Thompson Coburn office, I could see Central Library, and from my room at Central Library, I could see Thompson Coburn. So there's some kind of nice symmetry there. I thought it was delightful that you had escaped the law, so to speak, and you were assigned to a Dewey Decimal System. That's how the librarians were assigned tasks. Could you take up and tell us the rest of that story? Sure. So I've got two roles here at Central. I am the social sciences librarian. So I oversee the social sciences department, which when I started ran from 001 to 339 of the Dewey Decimal System, but we did some rearranging and I got the rest of the 300s, which include the law. So my initial view for my desk did not include, but now it does include the CFR, the U.S. Code, Missouri statutes. So one can run, but one cannot escape the law. But it's really worked out well. 
I have to be very careful. You know, first I had to chide some of my library colleagues who would be like, you should go ask her. She's a lawyer. I'm like, I am not a lawyer here. I do not have malpractice insurance here. We cannot answer legal questions, but I can point you in the right direction. But I have had the opportunity. We partner with the Law Library Association of St. Louis, which I can also see from my room, the Law Library in the Civil Courts Building, which is awesome. And Gail Wexler, the director there, she and I have started a book group that we're now in our third year called Legally Reading. So we have a book club and sometimes judges join us and people from the community. And that's been great. We're reading The Broken Heart of America by Walter Johnson. So, you know, it's big picture. It's all been great. Peter, let's turn the spotlight on you. We've known each other for quite a while. I knew about your career move, but why don't you share it with the audience? Sort of um, paralleling with what Lisa said, I actually was one of the few people I think that went to law school that knew exactly what they wanted to do. I wanted to be a criminal defense lawyer. I think I wrote a paper when I was in sixth grade saying I wanted to be a criminal defense lawyer. I came to town, went to Washington University Law School, and with that in mind, and when I got out of law school, I joined the public defender office in the city of St. Louis. I worked there full-time for six and a half years, and I stayed with the system for another two years on a part-time basis doing cases in the county. And then I did the inevitable switching from public defense to private law firms, and I worked for three small law firms, not particularly happy doing different things besides actually criminal defense work. In that course, I met up with somebody who became one of my best friends, Gerald Tanner, and Jerry had been a prosecutor when I was a public defender, so we knew each other a little bit, but we got to know each other better in this other law firm. And so then we formed a partnership in the early 90s. We were in Soulard, had a great secretary, and I was practicing with one of my best friends, but I decided I couldn't stand it anymore. I didn't want the phone to ring. I didn't want a new client. I basically didn't like the business end of law. I didn't like the charging and collecting and demanding, and I just didn't like it. I knew what my second alternative was, which was teaching. While I was still working as a lawyer, I took classes at Washington University again now in what they call a post-AB certification program and got my certificate so that I began teaching. I was qualified to teach in secondary education. I joined Kirkwood School District. I taught eighth grade and middle school for 12 years and then six years in the high school. So a total of 18 years teaching, and now I've been retired for nine. Can you tell us what subjects you typically taught? I was a history major in college, and so I taught social studies in both middle and high school. Although I will say that my law background, I tried to combine that a little bit. So in middle school, I started teaching a law class, and that led to my becoming the coach of the Kirkwood High School mock trial team. And so I've done that now, continuing in my retirement. I've been the coach of the team for 20 years now. Especially knowing the huge investment you made in a legal degree and a legal career. How nervous were you making the jump? I was terrified. <laughs> it, you know, it was scary on a number of fronts, and I was very fortunate to have the support of my family. Frankly, the prodding of my family is you suggested earlier, it took a while to make the decision for me. Obviously, I was with the firm for 18 years. So there was the oh, hemming, hawing, should I, should, you know, finally go for it. And it was additionally terrifying because my initial role as I left the firm 
was a ill-fated but fascinating stint at City Hall. I was the records manager with the Recorder of Deeds office for five months, and that was awesome, but ended poorly. And then I was, you know, more or less on the streets. I got an internship at the Federal Reserve Bank Library for a while, and I was job hunting, thinking, what on earth did I do? So it was, you know, nearly a year before I landed here, and now has been five years, and it's all good, but it, it was... It was terrifying, yeah. Peter, what were your experiences? Well, I agree. It also was very scary. I could not have done it without the support of my wife. I mean, you know, she had a job that was important. We had two little kids at that moment in time. I couldn't have done it alone. And so then uh, there's also the, you know, economic situation. I was going to take a pay cut to get a public school teaching salary. And then the other thing was I sort of naively thought, a couple of things. On one hand, I thought, oh, I can do this. And then I could, if I had to, I could take some cases on the weekend or I could practice in the summer. Well, of course, that was ridiculous. I worked about 60 hours a week as a teacher. There was no way I was going to be able to practice law too. And the other thing was, you know, feeling like it would be, who, who wouldn't want me? I had this law degree. I also have a master's in social work too. And I thought, who wouldn't want me? Back then, I, I made the switch in 1994. I applied to 26 school districts. I'm 40 years old, 41 years old. I applied to 26 school districts. I only got four offers. That was the really scary part. And so I still had my law practice open because I didn't want to shut that door until I had a position. And then luckily I was able to get hired in Kirkwood. So, Lisa, could you comment on the differences between your legal career and your librarian job? Could you give us a little more detail about what it's like to make such a dramatic change? There are, as with most things, both similarities and stark differences. I think the similarities between being a lawyer and being a librarian is you're looking to find the truth and share it with people. Both are kind of information professionals trying to disseminate knowledge. And I think that's the commonality that I really like. In terms of differences, you know, I would say it's not necessarily less stressful, but it's a different sort of stress. I guess what I love is I find instances every day of what I call library serendipity, where you have some amazing connection, either finding a book that you didn't know existed or helping someone to find a book or finding an answer for someone. And while I did some of that as a lawyer, here it's just on such a more kind of micro retail level, like I'm helping real people, whereas before I was helping these big entities, which were composed of real people, it can be very fulfilling. As Peter pointed out, the money's different. Sometimes I miss support staff. That was something I had at the law firm. I had theorized about the difference between being in a male-dominated profession versus being in a female-dominated profession. And now that I've lived both, I will back up my theory with my lived reality that one garners more money, more respect, more all kinds of stuff. So that's been interesting as well. Uh, my father, one of my biggest supporters, but I think it was hard for him to go from saying my daughter, the lawyer to my daughter, the librarian, but he's been great in the days before all of this crazy COVID stuff happened. He was always bringing people down to central and he would proudly walk them into my department, my room, the social sciences room and say, and it's the biggest office she's ever had. And it's beautiful. It's a big office, corner office, great view. Yeah. 
I keep thinking there's probably a difference between whether you can leave it at the office now compared to as a lawyer. Is that true? I definitely do not get calls from library patrons, you know, after dinner or the middle of the night saying, hey, this is going on. So. No more of those. Both of you practiced for a long time. Peter, I think 15 years. Correct. And Lisa, you know, 18. I mean, that's a pretty good career. When did you first realize you wanted to do something different? In other words, how much time passed between the time you said, I'm not going to keep doing this and the time you actually made the decision? And then the other thing is for lawyers out there listening that are thinking about getting out of the legal profession, is there a certain amount of time that you think like you need to put in enough time to make sure that you're making the right decision? If you only did it for four or five years, is that enough? What, what, what do each of you think about that? For me, I really did actually love being a public defender. I mean, it's crazy work. Anybody who's done it knows that, but I really did enjoy it. I felt like I gained a certain amount of expertise or a lot of expertise actually in that area. But when I moved to a small practice firm, I felt a little lost, a little in the wilderness. I wasn't getting correct help from the people I was working with. And so I would say for other people, I would say it would help to have at least a couple stops on your legal journey to make sure you try different corners. Lisa said earlier, there's a lot of things you can do as a lawyer. And I think it helps if you at least poke around in different parts of that world before you make a decision to exit. Yeah, and I would agree. And as I said, my decision was long drawn out. I would say pretty early on, I knew I was being a lawyer at a large law firm was not a perfect fit for me. So, you know, it was both a lot of effort on my part and understanding on my family's part and frankly, understanding on the firm's part that we managed to make it work for 18 years and it worked well. You know, I shared with Eric this memory I have that I think is true of a poem that my youngest, who's now 21, wrote for Mother's Day. And it included the line, she goes every day to a job that she hates. And I was like, (laughs) hate is very strong and not every day, but obviously... He picked up on, you know, some of my lack of equanimity with my career choice. And so that was the kick in the pants, but it took a long time for that kick in the pants to lead to action. Yeah, I mean, it is a big investment to become a lawyer. So I think it's not something one wants to just on a dime say, eh, no. So give it some time, but maybe not 18 years. I probably didn't think about it becoming a teacher for much more than a year before I actually started taking courses, but it took a couple of years to get those courses and the certificate. So that gave me a little more breathing room too. Lisa, do you find that with your friends and family, I know you mentioned your father, but that you tend to be an object of curiosity among people that as you're announcing your change or when they learn about your change? Oh yeah, absolutely. I think on the one hand, it's considered a good story. So I've, you know, gotten all the traffic out of that I can. But I mean, it's a weird story. When I went around the firm, as I was telling people that I was leaving, I got the sense there was a combination of like, oh my God, what on earth are you doing? And oh my God, how did you figure out how to get out of here? You know, <laughs> much more of the former than the latter for sure. But there were some who were like, so tell me more about this. <laughs> Right. So Lisa, do you find yourself to be approached by others who are having the same thought or temptation or curiosity that they might want to make a change themselves? 
To some extent on the law side, I am, but a lot of people are just curious about what's it like to be a librarian? I had a call just last week with actually a friend who's a doctor who's thinking about making a change. And then, you know, my kids are all 21, 23, 25. So their friends reach out to me, you know, hey, Mrs. Thorpe, I'm thinking of going to library school. And so I, I have lots of calls like that. And it's, it's fun. Why library science? What was that your choice? Thinking back to the cover letters I sent to all the library jobs I applied to, it was something I always thought about, John. It's so cliche, but I've always been a huge reader, and librarians actually don't get any time to read. It's yeah. crazy. People think we sit around and drink tea and read, and we do not. My college boyfriend did go. He was a philosophy major, and he went to the library science degree route, and I talked a lot with him about it because we were both thinking about it, and it helped me decide it seemed like a good fit. And I had a lot of other friends who were in the field and did a lot of, like I said, soul searching and informational interviews before I decided to get the degree, and it seemed it seemed right, and it was. Sounds like you made the absolute right decision, just hearing you talk about it, how happy you are with it and excited about discussing it. Yep. It's been great. So thank you for helping me remember that. Thanks. <laughs> Peter, could you jump into the same question about the rhythms of, you know, the day-to-day -day rhythms of your attorney job versus your job at the school? It seems to me there's got to be some major differences here. People would often say, oh my gosh, you know, what a difference. But my response was oftentimes comparing classroom with my work as a public defender. And I said, actually, there are a couple similarities. One was that you, in both situations, as a public defender, as a classroom teacher of eighth graders, you were dealing with a client population that did not necessarily appreciate what you did on a daily basis and didn't say thank you. And that you were dealing with an outside world that had no idea what the problems were that you were dealing with in your job. It was in 1994. The biggest differences, it seemed at the start, was that we didn't have a phone in the classroom. And that seems a medieval at this point, but we really didn't have a phone in the classroom. You, it's like what older people would remember, standing and talking to some box at the top of the ceiling to try to get the office's attention. Yeah, I remember that. So we didn't do that. And of course, it didn't have a secretary. It's at the end of the year, though, I realized the biggest difference was that as my eighth graders moved on to the high school, I got to close all my cases. Whereas a lawyer, the cases that you close are usually the easy ones. The ones that never closed are the difficult ones, right? But as a teacher, cases closed, you start new the next year. And I like that. I, I'm chuckling over here thinking about you leaving the practice because of lack of support in some ways. And then you get to the big classroom with the box at the top of the wall and no secretary. So right. welcome, to the, welcome to the new reality. That's right. That's right. What about you being approached by others? who are intrigued by and interested in maybe making their own move. Tell us about those people. In my practice, again, a small firm practice, my partner, Jerry and I, we would go to the courthouses every day, you know, to cover our cases, meet the docket calls, things like that. So in that type of practice, I tended to go to the county, Jerry, you would go to the city, but you tend to see some of the same lawyers day after day, you get to know that group of professionals. And so here I am approaching my late 30s, crossing the line into 40s, and lawyers would always talk, grumble about how they hated the practice. They hated what they were doing, but they would always end up saying, but I don't know what else I would do. 
And I knew to myself, I knew exactly what else I would do. I wanted to teach social studies in secondary schools. So once I did it, I also got a somewhat similar reaction uh, that I think Lisa said that people were always amazed that you did it. You know, how did you do it? I'd like to do it too, but I wouldn't have the nerve to do it. So that would come up pretty frequently. Tell us more about the finances of it and what your concerns were and how that um, bore out. One of the things that I didn't like about being in practice was that, of course, every minute that you're in practice, you're spending money, you know, whether it's rent or secretarial or, you know, whatever. And so you have to be making money all the time. It seems to me that there has to be a financial drive behind you to actually be successful at practicing law. That's the way I felt. And I just don't think I have that. And so I didn't mind so much making less money if I could take that burden off of me about having to worry about having to make money all the time. However, it sort of turned out that in the long run, as the years went by, I moved up on the pay scale with teachers and I had a pension. I mean, I never once in all the considerations about switching careers, I never thought about having a pension. And so after teaching for 18 years, I was able to retire at 59 with a pension. I also had deferred income from both as a lawyer and as a teacher. So I was fine financially. It turned out that that wasn't as big a burden as I'd thought. Peter, did you have any teachers in your family or any close friends who were teachers? Is there somebody that you know that drew you into teaching or gave you more info about it? Well, that's a great question. While I didn't have any lawyers in my family, I actually, yes, my mother was a teacher. Ah. My older sister's a teacher. So yes, I definitely was inspired by my family for teaching. I listened closely when you said something like the outside world does not appreciate the challenges that you experience on the inside. And I think you said that as far as both law and teaching. Could you talk more about that issue? I mean, teachers are, they have to be social workers. Of course, the regular things of preparing and grading and things like that. I have great respect for teachers. As a public defender, we had large caseloads and I suppose any one year I was trying maybe eight to 12 cases a year as a lawyer. And so oftentimes when lawyers would say, well, teaching just, it's not like that, is it? And I said, actually, teaching is like being in a trial every week because like a trial, you prepare and you prepare and you prepare. And then every day of a trial, things happen that you never expected. And you have to think on the fly and react on the fly. And that's teaching every day, <laughs> no matter what you prepare you got to be ready for the changes that'll take place. Talk a bit about, if you would, about friends and family who would maybe comment to you or discuss your move as you were in the process of making it. Were there people that were mostly warning you or talking about money or were they uh, think it's a great idea? What were the reactions as you were going through this? Well, it wouldn't be surprising that many lawyers would bring up the money aspect. But I guess overall, I certainly, my friends, both lawyers and non-lawyers, I mean, I think they were very curious, first of all, and then ultimately very kind and respectful about giving me respect for doing it and watching me through the years saying that it was definitely the best decision I made on a family basis. I think I mentioned earlier that our two kids were young. When I first started teaching, my son was six, our daughter was three. And so as the years went on, they were home with me in the summer times. And that was fantastic. I was able to spend nearly a quarter of the year raising my kids. And I could never have done that as a lawyer. 
Peter, looking back at this, because you've had a long career in law and a long career in teaching, and I'm just wondering if you might have crystallized some advice or questions that you would offer to someone who approached you and said, I don't know if I'm happy in my law practice. I'm thinking about pulling the plug completely on law and doing something else. Do you have a repertoire of questions or thoughts that you would offer those people? Oftentimes people have come to me because they've thought about teaching in particular, you know, and so I've tried to give them the pluses and minuses of doing that. I guess in general, I'm a very lucky person and I've told many people this. I got to do two things that I absolutely love doing. I actually love being a public defender and a trial attorney and I love teaching. And a part of the reason that I love those two things was I really did have great support. I kidded earlier about not having clients, let's say a client base that said thank you, but I certainly worked with professionals that were very supportive. So in the public defender office, we were really one big family. Many of those people that I worked with years ago have, did become very close friends and they were very supportive. We were all supportive of what we did and that was important. And then as a teacher, teachers support each other. We always talk about stealing each other's information is a joke, but I mean, we always borrow and use and edit what we all do together. So what I often say to people is, that's my encouragement, is find something where you have great professional relationships and great support because after your family, you're going to spend most of your time with people you work with. So you really want to be in a supportive situation that you really love and where you're respected. All right. So that's the end of a good conversation. Thank you to Peter Stragan and Lisa Kaiser Thorpe. Thank you for sharing your experiences. Absolutely. That was fun. All right. Thank you for having us. All right. That's been another episode of The Jury Is Out. I'm Eric Beef. And this is John Simon. See you next time. The Jury Is Out is brought to you by the Simon Law Firm. Share your comments with John and Eric at comments at thejuryisout.law. And if you want a lively look at life and law from a female attorney's point of view, check out our Heels in the Courtroom podcast and subscribe today because the best lawyers never stop learning.